This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. I'm Michael Duojek here with the record North Shore founding member, Joe Coglin, as we get you caught up on probably what was the game of the season for football um, this past weekend. Um, we'll also talk about some tough news for the Ramblers, but also everything else that is happening here in the North Shore area. Before we do that, just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure to like us, give us a review, and to subscribe. We always appreciate spreading the word also at games and matches and tournaments. So make sure you are spreading the word about the record, North Shore, and about the Varsity Podcast. We're going to do our regular four-quarter format for this week's episode, where in the first quarter we recap big wins for both Loyola and Nutrier football. In the second quarter, we hear from Nutria offensive lineman Jesse Mendoza. In the third quarter, we play our weekly guessing game of Way or No Way. And in the fourth quarter, we talk some swimming and we preview week five of the football season. Kind of hard to believe we're already at the halfway I know, point I know. Um, of the football season. But here we are as a temperature, Joe and I were talking about how uh, I don't really dig the cold uh, temperatures hitting us this way, but uh Fall is officially here, and that obviously means more football. So why don't we get things started here by talking about a big Loyola win over Brother Rice. 46-43 to 43 was the final score. Joe, I know you were there on Friday night, and we most of the state, uh, when it came to high school football, considered to this to be um, the best game probably of the season that we will get, maybe Loyola-Mount Carmel to end the regular season will live up to the hype as well. But um, when it came to this matchup, Joe Loyola with Brother Rice, um, this game lived up all to all the hype possible. Definitely. Um, yeah, great game to get um, some television coverage of. They picked a great one. Um, so, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, for them to coming out to, to get a live showing of that one. And, uh, of course, all the press uh, in, the, in the print variety as well, well, digital variety. So it was – Man, I, I didn't expect it to live up to the hype because I, I underestimated Brother Rice's offense. Um, I knew they were good, um, but, you know, they hadn't played defense loyal, and they proved they're, you know, I guess the second best offense in the state behind Loyola, <laughs> but they just went back and forth, and it, it was um, a thriller. You know, all those cliche words, a showstopper. It was awesome um, to watch, and, you know, it's great to watch, too, because this isn't – this is high-level football. These are – big kids doing these are amazing plays by uh jack lausch for brother rice the quarterback that who's also an amazing baseball player he's going to notre dame for both um the next the next jeff samarja um wow is awesome and i knew he was awesome last year as a junior starter he scored a couple tds on um on loyola but he was still green and this, this year he's got complete command of everything he's doing on the field, of the field in general. And he ran all over Loyola. 
and he made the throws that he had to big throws, um, intermediate throws, um, just really impressive stuff from him. And he was just matched uh, toe to toe uh, with Marco Maldonado from Loyola, who my, I don't know what we can say about this kid that we haven't said already. Um, <laughs> 335 rushing yards. Um, on 38 carries, you know, about eight yards a clip. And that was only watered down. It was over 10 yards a clip. But then uh, as they're running out the clock, obviously their um, yeah. brother Rice is, is stacking the box and everything. And he was still getting six, seven. But it was uh, uh, just an unbelievable performance by Marco. Um, and watching him turn holes. The offensive line did an incredible job opening up holes, but making moves on the brother rice linebackers who are no joke. And their second and third levels, just juking them out of their spikes, carrying them into the end zone. What an inspired performance. One of the, I mean, I don't know how he's not the best tailback in the state. I'm sure there's others I haven't seen, of course, but he's up there in with a very small list, very small team picture. So much fun to watch going back and forth. And Jake Sterney for Loyola, who's a junior, made throws that he had to. Long touchdown to Danny Collins. Um, big throws to Jack Fitzgerald when he had to. And he ran for a 50-yard score on fourth and one. So, man, this game had everything. Um, it had big hits, too. Um, just these offenses were, were too good. No one's going to stop them, I don't think, the rest of the way. For Marco, I mean, just to set a program season season record with uh, 335 yards, like you mentioned, 38 carries. Um, sometimes you see those type of records against, you know, non-conference opponents when like the, there are some mismatches and that kind of stuff. For this to happen against Brother Rice, obviously a, um, a Catholic school opponent, um, just insane that Marco was able to put up such, such impressive yardage um, in such a critical game for both teams. Yeah, and he was... It, it was such an amazing performance. He was, uh, I actually was listening to, um, at one point, the Brother Ice broadcasters, <laughs> you know, kids doing the game who were just screaming and yelling because it was so, such a cool game um, to broadcast, but they called him a video game a few times because his jukes on the second level were just, you know, he'd, be, he'd, he'd hit the hole and there'd be a tackler and tackler didn't have a chance. So, um, really fun stuff. He powered through some of those as well, not just jukes. Um, so uh, what can you say about him? I think now he has, you know, Neil put some stats in his story, you know, something like 540 yards rushing through four games. And remember he didn't, that was his first full game, as you just alluded to. He, he had not because of the blowout nature of the victories in, in Loyola's first three victories, he had not played a full game, he, mostly two quarters a game, even against, uh, St. Rita. So um, this was his first four quarter performance. And I mean, we, we saw what he could do when he totes the, when he gets that many touches, it's really unbelievable. Um, it's just uh, on his 38th carry 38 carries, he broke his collarbone. Um, and that's, it's hard to even, you know, after, you know, the yin and yang of this, an amazing performance, then you go to, to a kid who's still hunting for, um, a college offer to be injured and a collarbone's a collarbone. It's a broken bone. It's clean. It doesn't take too long to heal in terms of injuries. Um, I've had four myself, uh, you know, six to eight weeks. If you're in a sport, probably a little longer to make sure you're ready to go in football. Um, so, you know, we're probably looking at the season for Marco, but it's not, it's not compromising his career. You know, it's, it's yeah. going to hinder 
his ball carrying going forward. Um, so um, I'm sure they're going to come running. They certainly should after a performance like that, these colleges. I think he had one offer before that from Eastern Illinois, Halsek said. Um, I think it was Eastern. Maybe it was Western. Yeah, it's Eastern. So I think he should get a ton more. You just don't see that kind of, of ball running in high school at that top level um, with schools that big. So impressive stuff. Yeah, and I know probably some college coaches maybe are wary of, you know, obviously a strong offensive line. How much is it the running back and how much is it the um, offensive line? But, I mean, I think it's been clear from what we've seen from Marco throughout his career that he's a very talented runner who can make uh, quick plays, who is smart with the ball and knows exactly where to go with it. So, um, obviously, hopefully wishing him the best um, as he recovers and um, hopefully get some more college offers as well because we would be excited to watch him um play collegiately um but so let's talk about that hole that they now have at the running back position where um obviously there's talent behind them but how do you fill a hole um of a guy who just obviously set the record for 335 yards in a game and who's rushed for nearly 600 yards in four games for Loyola where you mentioned earlier he hasn't he didn't play in all top all four games so who's who's next and how do you really fill that hole that Marco's going to have there now at the running back position? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's impossible to fill obviously um, his shoes. um, So you're going to have to do, um, and I'm sure, you know, his teammates would say that as well. He's an all state type of guy. He's a, he's a college bound running back. Um, So first you don't, and you have to alter your offense to the personnel you now have. Um, But their backup Mike Regan is an experienced uh, ball carrier. He's a senior. He's done it before. He's got a couple touchdowns this year. He's found some space as well behind that offensive line to spell Marco when he's needed it. So now he's going to be into a role where he's going to get, you know, instead of five carries a game, 10 to maybe 12 to maybe 15, depending on their, their game plan. So um, I think he, you know, you're going to see a lot more Michael, Mikey Regan. Um, he's also been involved on, on kickoff returns too. So he's been on the field a lot. What I think you're also going to see when I mentioned kind of uh, you play to your play to, you know, your, your personnel is I think you're going to see more design carries for Jake Sterney, who's more than capable of, of uh, finding holes. Obviously you don't want to put him in spots in difficult spots where he's carrying it that much because you're going to need him to throw the ball. But um, you know, they're going to, they've been known to do that before with previous quarterbacks they've had from, um, Peter Pooljos to Quinn Boyle to other running quarterbacks. I think Emmett Burside ran a lot too. So they've been known to do that. And I think Jake Sterney is more than capable. He just proved it, you know, fourth and one, he ran 50 yard touchdown. He's got a couple other rushing scores. Um, he's got the speed um, to do so just, um, and the offense flying, it's not like they're going anywhere. They're going to make holes. So I think you're going to see more from Sterney and Mike Regan's going to be there. And I think, you know, we're going to see somebody else back there that we haven't yet. Um, get a lot of carries and move up and take the Mikey Regan spot as backup. So I think they're going to fill up nicely. You know, Loyal is known to next man up and um, close to seamless as possible. It's just you feel really bad for Marco um, going forward. Usually in these big games, um, we see Loyalist defense step up and obviously apply the pressure and the offense does well enough to obviously not get in the way where in this game, it seemed like obviously putting up 46 points against Brother Rice, the offense was obviously the star where you had uh, Marco obviously and Sterney playing well, throwing well and running well at the same time. What did you see from that defense and how concerned are you 
with that defense that um, is it just giving up 43 yards against a very talented quarterback, like you mentioned, and um, a very talented team, or, or is this uh, something of, to be of concern? Um, obviously putting up, giving up 43 points, the highest they've given up. And I don't even know how long. Yeah. I've, I've been meaning to look that up. I haven't had a chance, but I'm guessing it's in a long, long time since they've given up 40 points, but from what I've seen and I, I you know, I'm not a, um, absolute expert analysis in football and X's and O's, but what I saw was a superstar performance from that offense and a large offensive line that also has division one talent, you know, at the tight end level too, who was also a blocker um, that just kind of controlled and, and gave space to, to, to low, to Lausch. Um, I didn't see too much that I hated out of the Loyola defense. That I was just like, they have problems important to note as good as that brother rice offense was they had two turnovers we had an interception by mcguire and we had a fumble um that was recovered so they lost two possessions and they put up 43 right. points uh and on that um they were marching especially on the fumble um one so <laughs> who knows um so i give kudos to loyal's defense for doing that they didn't get Super pressure on the quarterback. Uh, like I said, I was pretty impressed with the brother Rice offensive line and scheme. He got the ball out of his hands really fast, or he chose to run it really fast. So great game plan by brother Rice, I thought. Um, and I thought it was just a good performance, you know, by, by a really led by a superstar player. All right. Well, we'll talk more about Loyola's future in the fourth quarter with their matchup against Fenwick and, uh, preview that game and what we were expecting. We move over now to Nutrier, who finish off their non-conference uh, portion of the season with a 37 to 35 winner um, against Conant in Hoffman Estates. And when we were predicting this game, Joe, last week we had a it wasn't really tight at all. We did, definitely did not predict the two-point uh, advantage for the Nutrier Trevians. Um, so I mean, what did what did you just kind of um, I guess read in Marty's story? Um, that uh, really has you encouraged and kind of has you concerned um, with a two-point win um, over Conant? Well, concerns are the same that we've talked about for weeks is that it's that defense. And I hate to keep ragging on the, the linebackers and the, and the secondary, but um, you got to start making plays. And especially with the defensive line banged up with Charlie Zazul out, um, it's, it's, they need – to make plays to make up for that. And they're not doing that. Um, offenses are running on them. We saw it at Barrington um, and we saw it at Conant. Um, so it's, it's troubling. And even, you know, coach Dahl brought it up too, is that there's going to need to be changes on the defensive end, um, whether it's personnel or scheme wise, I think you mentioned personnel. So uh, they're going to try some new things this week against Evanston. You know, we're looking at an Evanston team who's down this year. Um, not all their stars are playing. Um, so we we're going to see maybe Nutrier gets has a larger margin for error this week. So might get to try some things and get away with mistakes here and there and smooth things out before they get back into a team like Glenbrook South um, and Glenbrook North. But um, yeah, that's the concern is their defense, but their offense, as we saw again, uh, their offensive line um, is playing very well together. Their experience, their opening holes. Um, they've got, three guys who can capably run the ball um, in three, you know, they got the, the, the sophomore McCrary with the speed. They got Jackson 
um, I'm sorry, uh, Jack Cummings, uh, the big man in the backfield. And then they've got the quarterback, uh, Nevin, who can run too. So I think they're going to keep relying on that. And Nevin can make throws when he needs to um, in, in bigger games, which he's proven. So their offense, I'm just, you, you know, you can't be too concerned as they're averaging what, uh, you know, nearly 30 points a game, if not a bit over 30. So they're okay there. It's just their defense has to stop teams. They got to get them off the field and get the ball in their offense's hand. What do you think of this team after the non-conference season and heading into the conference portion, like you mentioned, Evanston? Um, Maine South seems to be the team that we expected them to be. Uh, GBS is a little surprising after their win over Barrington. Um, so what do you think of this team's chances um, as it heads into uh, the conference portion of the regular season? Um, yeah, I mean, it's an uphill climb to win the conference. I think we have an improved Glenbrook South team that just beat Barrington. We have a, uh, one, a very good year for Maine South. Um, although did we, did Maine South lose last week? Yes, they did. They lost to Palatine 2019. So, uh, Palatine's a very good team, by the way, a resurgent Palatine team. We kind of see one of these Palatine teams every I don't know, four years, three years, they're, they're solid. And then, you know, every so often they're really good. It's, I think it's one of those really good Palatine teams. So um, they took down Maine South, but Maine South still good. They beat Warren. Um, uh, there's not much else you need to say. So you're staring at Glenbrook North is, is, is not shabby either. So you're staring at at least three very difficult games, um, two in which you're probably the underdog. Max Preps always plays those videos. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> while we're checking records and stuff, uh, autoplay. Don't do it on your website. Not a good user. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, I think it's an uphill climb if they want to win the conference. Now, I don't think it's impossible because I do think that uh, they can beat Glenbrook South. I think that's more of a toss-up. Glenbrook South made with the advantage. Uh, <clears throat> and they're going to be a dog to Maine South, but that's at the end of the year. So can they figure out their defense – to the point if they don't and they're just going to rely on back and forth battle, they're not going to be main South. It won't even be a competition. So they got to shore up their defense. So I'll just say, uh, I don't love their chances, but they have a chance. What do you think? Um, we'll move over to the second quarter real quick, which is what are your thoughts about the CSL South um, and what main South and GBS and uh, these teams are going to do against each other as we enter uh, the, you know, the conference portion of the year. Yeah, I think it's going to be a slugfest uh, between those big schools. Um, I guess they're all big schools, but you know what I mean? The, the top of the conference, except Evanston. We talked in the beginning of the year, we were very high. I was very high on Evanston. And then we learned that their the top defensive player in the state, Sebastian Cheeks, is not playing. Um, and, and we heard some of their other players as well. We don't know the full story. So uh, they're, they've been being, being – uh, taken out pretty, pretty handily by some teams early in the season. So I think uh, they've fallen down the ranks in the CSL, but uh, so we're looking at a main South Glenbrook South, new Trier top three uh, Glenbrook North a step behind, but I think those four teams are going to put together some good battles in the next few weeks. I think it's going to be fun. Should be a lot of fun and really interesting uh, to see what it unfolds, but why don't we move on over now to the second quarter where we're going to we'll talk a little bit more about Nutria football and be joined by Jesse Mendoza, an offensive lineman for the Trevians. He's going to join us and talk about that win over Conan 
what went right and just how encouraging it was um, to see uh, that team win and what they're looking forward to as they head into conference play. Right before the start of the second half, I saw you going up and down the sideline yelling, you know, play to win, firing up the team. So walk me through what's going through your head at that moment and just how you were trying to motivate the team and make sure that this ended in a win like it did. Um, Well, through practice and just like knowing all the guys on the team, I know we have it in us to just dominate a football game. We just got to bring it out. And sometimes we come to the game knowing or thinking that like, oh, we're going to like crush them and like, it, that we've already won the game. But I think the thing is some of us didn't expect us or didn't expect the game to be a fight. Yeah. And then we got to tell ourselves, you know, it's a fight all the way through. It's a football game. Football games are grind. It's a battle. And I just try to get out all, all the team. And I think we won hard game. Yeah, absolutely. And then five rushing touchdowns tonight, Jesse, as the leader of the line and one of the leaders of the team as the whole, you know, just what does that mean to you? The, the run game has been a huge strength for you guys all year, but five rushing touchdowns tonight. I mean, as an offensive lineman, we love to run the ball. It's, it, we just love it. Um, but personally, I just have so much pride in the running backs when they score. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I, just, I mean, I just love to see, see the team score, but I love to see us win in a tough way. No! <laughs> and just manhandle the other defense. It just takes pride in that. Yeah, and then overall, the non-conference, 3-1 and one finish. You guys finish up the non-conference. I know that obviously 4-0 is the goal, but 3-1 and one is still a pretty good consolation prize. So how do you feel um, the team can move forward now after uh, this 3-1 and one finish to, to obviously, non-conference? Obviously, 3-1 and one is amazing. We, we love winning games, but I think we know we have so much more to, so much more to prove mm-hmm. and so much more to propel us forward. I think we've only touched the, the tip of the iceberg as it comes to our potential and our talent, and I think the sky's the limit for us. Evanston next week, Jesse, one of the leaders of the team. What's the message to the group? First game of uh, conference play, you know, starts out with a bang. How are you guys feeling going into next week? I think we got we got to kick butt. I tell the team every week, we just got to show out and prove what we already know, and eat town, be town. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, Jesse, and thank you as always to all the players and coaches for joining us every single week. Always good to get your guys' insight on the game. All right, we're halfway through the podcast, so let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure you check them out. Move better and live better. All right, third quarter means that we are going to be playing our weekly guessing game of way or no way. I say a statement, and Joe and I argue about whether it can happen way or no way it cannot happen. All right, we're going to start off with the New Cheer Boys golf team who just finished second in their uh, conference tournament. They won the regular season but finished second in conference behind GBN. Way or no way, Joe, that the New Cheer Boys golf team can win a team sectional title this year? Yeah, I think so. Um, I actually don't know. I hope I can uh, – I'm not sure. Are they in the same sectional as GBN? Yes, I think so. Yeah, so I think it's possible. I think it's just it who's better that day, but I think those two are the are the tops in the um, in the area this season. Um, I think it was a six stroke difference, um, and you could see uh, you know pretty tight scoring from their from their top guys. So um, I think it's possible. I just think they need to come out and shoot, have a good day. Weather is always a factor at this time of the year too. You know. Um, some sort of inclement weather is going to level the playing field a little bit for more teams too. But uh, I think they're certainly capable. It's a very good and deep team this year in Nutria. So way. It is really interesting because they're actually playing in the same regional. So 
Um, we'll see what they're uh, able to do. But yeah, I think I'd go way with there too. Um, obviously, winning a regular season title um, isn't anything to look down upon and finishing se- second at the uh, conference tournament. Um, obviously, you're competing in that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I agree with you. Way um, that they can win a team sectional title. All right. The New Cheer girls golf team is continuing a strong uh, season as we expected with a, uh, a conference win. Um, where no way, Joe, that this New Cheer girls golf team is a state favorite. A state favorite. Oh, good question. I, hmm. I haven't checked the Vegas odds on um, <laughs> girls golf in Illinois. I would say, man, I'd say they are not the favorite. So I say no way but they are among them. So to answer, I think Hinsdale Central, if I'm not wrong, um, it's between those two. And they've played a couple tournaments together. I'm not sure if they've had a duel, uh, but they've played a couple tournaments. And I know Hinsdale Central came on top once and Nutrier once. So uh, it's between those two, man. And I think it's going to be a fun tournament. Um, Nutrier's Amy uh, Bean Blossom, who... Um, I think at the beginning of the year was playing in some other tournaments too and coming in and she wasn't shooting her best, but now she's on fire. Uh, she's basically the favorite medalist everywhere. If she keeps this up, uh, I think that they, uh, it should be one, two, I mean, um, at the state finals. So I will say nowhere they are the favorite because that's how you phrased it. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with you. I think they are the favorite. I think they've got the talents and I think that they can compete, obviously, like you mentioned, Dale Central and some other um, teams are really strong, but um, I think um, that they are the favorite just based on the track record that they've had, the talent that they've brought in. And I'm going to say a uh, uh, way that they are the favorite uh, to win a state title. Uh, the Loyola boys soccer team and Nutria boys soccer team continue to do well, though Nutria lost to Evanston, um, where the Wildcats continue to stay undefeated. Uh, way or no way, Joe, that the Loyola boys soccer team will finish with a better record than Nutrier? Oh. I've, okay, okay. I will say way uh, because of a, a slightly, slightly softer schedule. Um, yeah, I, Loyola just yeah, that's tough. I don't I don't know, Mike. I don't know. <laughs> I want, but I'll say I'll say wait. I'll say they finished a slightly better record because of a slightly softer schedule. Uh, Nutria took their first loss to Evanston, um, you know, but they're going to be ranked both right up there in the sectional play. Um, like it won't matter. I know Loyola just you know came out with a couple um, draws to Saint Ignatius and to Solario. Um, but no losses uh, other than the earlier ones in Nutria. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll say way just because of kind of the logistics of things. I think I agree with you there for the same reasons way there. Um, yeah, I think that uh, the CSL is tougher than the um, Catholic CCL. So, um, yeah, I think I agree with you there way. It doesn't mean that they're better per se. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. I'm not exactly sure. They're both very talented teams. Um, but I do think that they'll finish with a better record than Nutria just with how the schedule uh, lines up. All right, the Loyola girls volleyball team continues to do well. Um, way or no way, Joe, that they're actually better than we think that they are? Which team? I'm sorry. The Loyola Academy girls volleyball team. I don't know. I think I'm pretty high on them. Um, right. Yeah, the better than we think. I 
No, because I, I think they're really freaking good. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they keep the second of winters. They, they took a couple losses in a tough tournament recently. So they're 19 and three, I believe. And I, I think we had an earlier question this sports season in way or no way about how many losses will they stay under five? And it feels like that should be about right. Like they're going to be like a 28, 29, 30, and four team. Um, and that's, you know, and a state among the state favorites, they're going to, they're, they're a state qualifying type team. They're that good. It's just, they're going to run into a Nutrier team. And with that youth, if Nutrier is playing fearless and Nutrier is playing, they're hot. Uh, that's going to be a heck of a contest. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. And Glenbrook North's no slouch either um, on, in the volleyball side, neither South. So got some good programs. I, I think they're, I think Loyola is a, you know, if everything goes their way and they're playing their best in the right moments though, Loyola is the best team in the area. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think we're both pretty high on this Loyola Academy girls volleyball team. So I don't think, I think that we both think they're really good. So I don't think, uh, that they are better than we think because that'd be insane. Um, so final way or no way, uh, Nutria Boys Country finished first recently. Way or no way that they have the key to a state title this year with the strong runners that they have? Ooh. Man, I'm going to plead a little bit of ignorance here. You know, I've, I've followed their um, progress this year, and I know their, their stud, Nick, is going to Duke. But I also know he hasn't ran and he didn't run in the weekend races. So I don't know, you know, there could be a number of things, whether it's a college visit or he's just uh, dealing with, a, you know, some shin injuries or something common for runners. Um, so when he gets, you know, they want a tournament or a meet without him. Um, I think uh, they're, they're up there, too. I, I don't know if they're they will win a state title, though. It's so difficult. Um, and there's so many good um, collect collections of runners. Um, at the top end of state. So I guess I'll say no way. Yeah, I think with these type of sports, we always say that it depends on your depth when it comes to winning a state title. Um, and obviously, Nate Gabe Nosek and Jack Moran finished second and third recently at the Evanston quad. Um, and they were um, helping them without Nick. Um, so obviously, they had the top runners. Um, I just think maybe some other schools, not to say anything against uh, new Trier's depth or anything like that. I just think other schools' depth might be a little bit better. Um, so I'm going to go no way here as well. All right, folks, that is everything we've got for way or no way. Let's move on over now to the fourth quarter, where before we get to football, we're going to talk a little bit about girls swimming, where, Joe, um, I know that the new Trier um, girls swimming and diving team had their first home meet of the season. Um, obviously excited to start that and obviously always happy to have a um, home meet to uh, just get the season uh, going. But um, I know it was um, a somber event um, when Nutrier uh, started things off at home this week, uh, this past week. Yeah. Um, you know, difficult um, for everyone involved for the entire program um, as they uh, remembered and paid tribute to Samantha Cerrone, who, uh, who died in on June 9th, I believe it was actually, I think it was the last day of school um, in a tragic accident in, in, it was in Evanston. She's from Wilmette, um, a, a Metro, Metro train accident um, in which she was electrocuted. So a really tragic, crazy accident. Um, she died and she was a member of the program. She was a JV swimmer as a sophomore. 
um, and she was coming up going to be a junior this year. Um, Coach Matt Guy said, you know, she had a, a promising career in the uh, in the swim program, but more than that, um, the coach as well as um, some of her teammates, friends, and family spoke to her character and the type of person she was. Just a um, someone people looked up to. She was inspirational in that um, she liked to live life to its fullest. Um, she talked about all her friends talked about that and how she was so much fun to be around um, and gave them um, a lot of motivation for just going through the walks of life. And, and um, she was um, that motivating that, that light that they could follow. Um, and uh, to someone people I had a pleasure to be around. So um, they took time to say some words in her honor, as well as play a slideshow um, of photos. And so people could remember her. It was the first time coach talked about, you know, since it happened the last day of school and um, the whole world's been dealing with uh, COVID-19 precautions that they've been able to gather and really grieve as a, as a family, as a swim program um, for the loss of Samantha. So, you know, rest in peace, Samantha. Um, and, and they were able to do that and um, for her and her family and the, the swim programs off to a, a normal nutrier start. Um, we talked a little bit about the talent they got in the pool this year. Um, Carly Novaline and, and led by Carly Novaline and, um, and uh, uh, Kaylin Gridley um, to returner state qualifiers, state champs have not, if I remember correctly, in a relay capacity. And uh, you're going to look for them to be at the very tops uh, of the state all year and take home some medals, if not championships. And I think Nutriers um, got a, got quite a team this year. We're going to look for them to, to take home another trophy. Yeah, obviously, um, when you uh, Nutrier beat Vernon Hills, and they need 140 to 46. But um, obviously, when you have something like that, sometimes the meat isn't, I mean, obviously, the meat is not as important as remembering um, Samantha Saroni. Uh, and I know you mentioned um, a little bit earlier, but just how special was it for everyone that you talked to um, to have everyone together for that? Because I know you mentioned earlier just um, not having that opportunity before. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly isn't. Um they were glad they could do it together. Definitely. Well, um, obviously uh, a sad event, but uh, good to uh, remember Samantha and um, good for one last opportunity to come together um, and uh, come together in her memory um, just to remember her life and what she meant to every uh, person in that program. But um, no good way to do it, but we're just going to transition on over now to uh, football as we get ready for week five. Um, both Loyola and Nutrier have tough tests on their radar. Why don't we start off with Nutrier, um, who, tra who travels over to Evanston, a big rivalry between the two um, local schools, the Trevians and the Wildcats, where um, we talked, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, Joe, where um, this Evanston team isn't exactly the Evanston team we envisioned when uh, the season started. No, it's not. Um, I was really, you know, super high and I was giving, you know, seeing them last year and how tough they played Nutrier and how they tough they played Maine South uh, coming down to the wire. I thought, uh, you know, one more year um, of experience and the best defense player in the state, this, this is a conference champion type team. I thought they could take down Maine South um, and Nutrier this year, uh, but um, Sebastian Cheeks isn't playing. Um, and we hear a, a number of other starters aren't as well so now we're looking at a team that you know lost by 40 points to palatine and you know 25 points to libertyville so 
different team um, completely. So um, they do have two wins. You know, they just beat Fremd, I believe, um, 2017, um, and they got a win against Wisconsin team to open. So they're two and two, but I think Nutria is just going to overpower them. Um, I think they're going to stick to their running attack. Um, and I think they also, I think they're going to mix it up. I should say, uh, lead with their running tack, then play off that. And I think they're going to get, um, some scores in here, um, and, and keep their, that offensive rolling, uh, that offense rolling in, you know, main Sal or I'm sorry. Uh, Evanston isn't a high point scorer, Um, so hopefully their defense can hold Evanston under, under 20, 25, let's say, and, and I think they're going to score over 30. So, um, I like Nutria in this one. I think you and I aren't really concerned about the Nutria offense at all. I think it's obviously what we've talked about is the Nutria defense. So with that, with Evanston not really having key playmakers, um, how important are you going to be, or just how important is it for the Nutria defense to show up and um, obviously have a strong game against an Evanston team that obviously doesn't have bad players or anything like that, but is missing a lot of its key skill players and, uh, should be able to kind of hold things down um, in a key conference opponent there. I mean, just how much are you looking at that defense? Yeah, I'm looking at it. You know, it's the focus. Um, even though, the, you know, the, the offense is going to score points, and that's the exciting part. The defense is the focus for moving forward for this team. And I, I, would, I would bet that they've been getting – they've had a tough week, and coaches have made that the focus, and they've pointed and said, you know, we want to go, we want to get to where we want to be this year. It's on the defense. It's on you guys. We got to step up and they're, they're probably toying with things and tinkering and trying to figure out the best lineup they can put out there. And I think this game, you know, while we think it's going to be a, a win, um, you know, a probable win for them, it matters a lot more in figuring out what they have. And, you know, they followed it up with Niles West. So they get, um, no, they don't. I'm sorry. Did they follow up one of the Glenbrooks? I can't remember. Sorry. Let me just look real quick. Uh, yeah, I think they have one of the Glenbrooks right after, so they're going to be need to be pretty sharp after this. Um, afterwards, so it's a big week. It is a big week for that defense. And Nutrier, sorry, folks who are doing live, uh, looking at the schedule, should probably have it up there. They are playing, hosting GBN, and then they play at GBS the following two weeks. Okay. So with that, I mean. How much, I mean, I know reporters love to use this term and coaches really hate it when you use this term, but how much of a must win is this game against Evanston? Oh man, I don't know if it's a must win in high school to me kind of means you're playing, you know, for your playoff lives. I don't know if we're there yet. They got three wins. Um, you're looking at at least one on, on the schedule going forward in Niles West um, and other chances at North South if you're not counting main south so a must win no but i think i think yeah you really want it so it's close uh right you know that gives you four and means you only need one more to to qualify for state um you gotta have it i, I don't know if it's a must win in the terms of do or die but you gotta have this this w well, we'll get a prediction from Joe uh, toward the end of the podcast. Let's move on over now to a big Loyola and Fenwick matchup. Fenwick coming into the season with 3-1 record with wins over Morgan Park, uh, Niles, Notre Dame, and uh, De La Salle. Niles, Notre Dame kind of down this year, interestingly enough. Yeah. Um, and then with a tough one-point loss against Providence uh, Catholic, 21-20. to 20. 
Uh, Fenwick also has, uh, actually, according to 247, two of the top 17 players. Um, Ian Pugh is a wide receiver who's committed to the University of Illinois. And then Caden Cobb is a quarterback who is going to be playing at Ball State. So we've we've had our concern about this defense, obviously, after a little bit. Obviously, we talked about um, Brother Rice being very talented. But um, this seems like a matchup where the uh, Loyola defense um, can really show how it can perform against what colleges consider top talent. Yeah, um, you're right on there. So I think I think they're the better of the two teams here, Loyola. You know, Fenwick's got a nice record, um, but uh, they haven't given me like one of those performances that have uh, shown me they're elite. Um, you know, losing to Providence, um, who's in kind of one of their mediocre seasons, um, kind of shows me they're right there in that pack. We're a very good. They also got blown out by Joliet Catholic, who's, who's very good, but um, not at Loyola's level. So, um, you know, I think I th- that's again Max Prep, everybody. I got to close that window. Got to remember after I look at the schedules and, and results. Um, but so I think Loyola's defense is going to want to kind of come up with a nice performance after giving up 43. I don't think I wouldn't think the coaches or the defense is too disappointed considering that was one of the best games ever. And there were some big plays in there. It's just, you're playing elite talent. Um, but I, I do think they're going to want to come and prove that, Hey, you know, we're, we're legit here. We're going to, we're going to shut these guys down. So I'm looking at uh, pretty minimal scoring for Fenwick. What so obviously the, the question begins now. What is life like without Marco Maldonado? So, um, I mean, what do you expect? I mean, obviously, it's too tough to tell. Obviously, Loyola has a very talented offensive line, they have a quarterback who can throw it and who can run it. And obviously, the depth at the running back position is good too. So, I mean, what, what do you expect out of this uh Loyola offense, uh, playing without its star running back? You know, I'd expect a, a bit of a change in the game plan, but not too much I think they're going to give the ball to Mike Regan I think they're comfortable with him and confident in him and he's going to do a good job toting the rock Um, and I think uh, we're going to see some more design runs from Sterney or just maybe a little more freedom uh, to make those calls himself and you know they have a few plays in their pocket that we've seen I saw it against Brother Rice that are basically extensions of the run game what they do is they they get Danny Collins out and just do a quick quick out and and Sterney, actually, the quarterback, runs toward him while throwing. So it's a very quick out. It gets you three or four yards, and you just run toward him very easy. Uh, I, I should say more easy, easier throw and catch, um, very close range, and it gets you a couple yards, kind of an extension of the run game. They got a first down on that in, in an important spot. Um, basically two of the same throws back-to-back. Um, I thought that was uh, a pretty, pretty nice strategy, pretty smooth move. And they've gotten their tight ends, especially Jack Fitzgerald. At first, it was Jack Parker on the starting. And I don't know if, if Jack Fitzgerald just um, overtook him. Fitzgerald, the son of, of Northwestern coach Pat Fitzgerald. Um, but he, he's a big target. He catches the ball. Um, he's also a good blocker, so he's been doing that. But he can get out there and get you five or six uh, pretty easily just with his mismatch on the size, size side of things. So um, I think you're going to see a lot of that. And, you know, their receivers have really impressed this year. We talked in the early year, okay, but who they're going to throw to with some of the graduates and some of the injuries. And Danny Collins has proven to be an all-conference type guy, if not even, you know, all-area, all-state type guy. 
and then uh, some other guys have proven have stepped up like Gilroy and Ledbetter. And soon we're going to get Roger Simon back in October um, if nothing has happened in his rehab. So um, I think Loyal's offense is going to be just fine under Jake Sterney. All right, let's get some predictions out of you. What first off, what do you think happens between New Trier and Evanston? Uh, I think New Trier comes pretty inspired, um, not just because it's uh, they need to in a uh, after um, their defense is given up some of the games, but it's Evanston. They're going to come to play. Um, and they, they get pumped up for these games. So Evanston is too, but I, I just think Nutria is going to outmatch them, and uh, their defense will make a couple plays. I do think it's going to happen. So um, they do have some playmakers there. They just really need to step up and step into the action. So um, I expect uh, a victory, uh, but I do expect a couple scores from Evanston. So I'll call it, I'll call it 35-21. Interesting. I was actually going to do 35 to 10. I don't think Edmondson will score that much. Maybe yeah. I'm putting a little bit too faith in that, too much faith in the Nutrier defense, but I do think um, it'll be uh, a controlled uh, Nutrier defense. And before we get to the Loyola prediction, um, always good to remind you folks that sometimes we don't know what we're talking about. Both of our predictions last week for both games were fairly off. So uh, <laughs> we'll see um, how we do in this week's prediction. But what do you see happening between Loyola and Fenwick? I see uh, Loyola controlling the action here. Um, I don't know because of, you know, Maldonado, you know, we maybe won't see as many 70 yard runs. Actually, we're probably guaranteed to not see as many long <laughs> runs, um, but we're going to see, um, I think, a controlled, uh, organized performance by Loyola and uh, the dismiss Fenwick um, handily. Um, I'll say they put up another thir- I'll say 38 and I'll say Fenwick uh, gets on the board, but not much. I'll say I'll say six. I think the Loyola, I think this is a game where I don't think the offense will play poorly. I just think that the defense controls the game. So I think it'll be a 27 to, um, why don't we say 27 to 13 win for the Ramblers. Um, I think the defense will limit some things. Maybe Fenwick will get a couple uh, field goals in there. But I do think that this is a game where the Loyola defense steps up. And uh, I know that uh, Coach Holosek and the coaching staff is getting after them. Even though the Brother Rice team was talented, putting up 43 points, that's probably definitely a conversation point within the program at, within the past week. But we're excited to see what happens in week five of football. Crazy to think that we've got only a few more weeks left before the playoffs start off, but um, that's how the calendar goes, I guess. But thanks, as always, for listening to the Varsity Podcast. Let's, let's, Just, I'm going to stop you. We're going to do a couple fun things first that we didn't get to mention. Oh. Um, first... Did you see the video of the Nutria kicker hitting a 62-yarder? I did not. Yeah. That's he very... The freshman kicker, Nikki, I think you say the last name better than mine, so I'll just say Nikki D, the freshman <laughs> kicker, hit a 62-yarder in practice. Wow. Yeah. So, so, so uh, some colleges were going to be reaching out to him pretty soon, and Coach yeah. Dahl knows that. Even if they get the ball, like, at the 50-yard line, he's like, all right, let's dial this up. <laughs> yeah, right. Um yeah. So that's, that's fun. That's always uh, a nice, uh, a nice thing. We, we've heard a lot about him this year. He's been a really, really good punter. And um, I think he had a 40 yarder this year. So in the game, so uh, freshman, really cool stuff. And also uh, the Loyola defensive lineman um, Brooks bar, big, big dude. Just, I think he's six, six and two fifty. Uh, defensive end um, got an offer, got his first offer and it's from Illinois. So, um, that was pretty cool too that we saw that. Yeah, definitely cool to see. Um, obviously, you and I have a 
personal connection to Illinois. So very cool to see that. Uh, what a concept that the state school would offer the best program in the state. It seems like a very far-fetched concept, but uh, yeah. uh, it seems, uh, you feel like it can lead to some success moving forward. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's everything that we've got for this week's episode of the podcast. Thanks as always for listening. Just a reminder that you can subscribe anywhere that podcasts are available. Make sure to like us, review us, and write a nice little comment as well. And when you're at those football games or cross-country meets, make sure you spread the word about both the record and the Varsity podcast. Uh, Thanks, as always, also to the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute for their sponsorship. So for Joe and I, thanks so much for joining us this week. Hopefully it'll get a little bit warmer before things really turn, and we'll talk to you guys down the road. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.